Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on His side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. And hello, Las Vegas. We are back. It's the Frittle Show. Happy weekend, one and all. Great to have you with us. I'm Crystal Heath. We're broadcasting from the KVXL studios here at Liberty Baptist Church. Address is 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard. If you'd like to go to church in person, you can do that here in Las Vegas. Still, we have social distancing measures and different things set up in our auditorium to uh, comply with different regulations. So you can be part of that at 8 o'clock. 9.45 or 11.30. We have three English services and then one fifteen a Spanish service. So if you're here in Las Vegas and you want to come to church, we have doors open Sunday morning for you to be able to do that. Sunday night, Wednesday night, we're still online, but during the morning service, we would love to have you, your family, friends, neighbors, anybody that wants to come join us for our services. Nothing to see here is the topic for today's podcast. Simply nothing Nothing to see here, especially considering that we now know that your chance of dying from the coronavirus is less than 1%. Some are saying less than 0.1%, depending on who you read and when you read them. But what we do know specifically for sure is that Florida had over 150,000 positive, positive cases of COVID-19 in the last few weeks, but their hospitalization and ICU rates have remained the same despite the spike in cases. We also know that the Premier League and the Bundesliga have been playing soccer without issues for weeks now. We know that training camps are starting in the NFL despite the virus over the next week. And we know that the overall hospitalizations for Corona across the board are down. But instead, of course, it's New York and their 35 plus thousand deaths are somehow the success story, according to some prominent medical officials. Because, hey, if we're going to talk about the Rona, it can only be in order to run and ruin your life in some way, which Governor Cuomo and New York did exceptionally well. We simply do not talk about the actual good news related to the coronavirus, so let us move on, because there is simply nothing to see there. So, in our efforts to create an equal, reconciled America, because I think most people would agree that that is the ultimate goal, whether you say you're protesting, rioting, uh, just recognizing your whiteness, or whatever else... At the bottom heart issue, I think people are saying we need an equal, reconciled America. Maybe not everyone. Okay, I get that. But you understand the concept. So, in order to help facilitate that goal, the AP has announced, the Associated Press, has announced that the B in black, when referring to black people, shall now be capitalized, while the W in white people shall remain lowercase. Here is their explanation for this. There was clear desire, this is a direct quote, there was clear desire and reason to capitalize black. Most notably, people who are black have strong historical and cultural commonalities, even if they are from different parts of the world, and even if they now live in different parts of the world. 
That includes the shared experience of discrimination due solely to the color of one's skin. There is, at this time, less support for capitalizing white. White people generally do not share the same history and culture or the experience of being discriminated against because of skin color. I, okay, I'm going to try and refrain from making comments. In addition, we are a global news organization, and in much of the world there is considerable disagreement, ambiguity, and confusion about whom that term includes. We agree that white people's skin color plays into systematic inequalities and injustices, and we want our journalism to robustly explore those problems. But capitalizing the term white, as is done by white supremacists, risks subtly conveying legitimacy to such beliefs. Some have expressed the belief that if we don't capitalize white, we are being inconsistent and discriminating against white people, or conversely, that we are implying that white is the default. We also recognize the argument that capitalizing the term could pull white people more fully into issues and discussions of race and equality. We will closely watch how usage and thought evolves, and will periodically review our decision. I, I, I just have a hard time reading that and not finding it racist. First of all, essentially what the AP is saying is that all black people have the same history and same cultural experiences. They're, they're saying that all black people are the same. I, I guess they missed the part about, you know, black on black enslavement, black on black genocide. Uh, I mean, do, do African immigrants who came to the United States in the last 20 years share the same history as that of, of slaves? Isn't that somehow demeaning uh, those families that, that were here in slavery and, and succeeded and, and lived the American dream despite of that? Somehow, to me, it just doesn't seem that the history of every black person, and, and they're not just saying in America, but worldwide, is essentially the same. Then they go on to say that, that white people's skin color plays into systematic inequalities and injustices. And uh, Personally, I just have a problem with this. I have a problem with saying beca the color of your skin, because of the color of your skin, you are part of the problem. I, I just thought that someday we would reach a point where we could judge people based on the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. I, I feel like that was a big thing once upon a time, that maybe somebody with a lot of wisdom... Uh, had said that. Perhaps. But you know, nothing, nothing to see there either. So, I, obviously then I cannot be racist because I just don't get it because my, my skin is a, is a lighter color of, of, of tan. But you know, speaking of being racist, did you know that being polite, objective, or a hard worker is the embodiment of white privilege. No, I'm serious. This is <laughs> this is another one of those things where okay. The Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture recently unveiled some guidelines to help we as Americans have conversations about race. As part of their their helpful guide to us having conversations about race, they included a graphic. This graphic was titled Aspects and Assumptions of Whiteness in the United States. Now this thing, this thing is, whew, I, I would encourage you to just go and, and Google this if you have not looked at it yet. I'm going to read you parts of it that I find the most outrageous, okay? Aspects and Assumptions of Whiteness and White Culture in the United States. The beginning of the banner starts like this. 
White dominant culture or whiteness refers to the ways white people and their traditions, attitudes, and ways of life have been normalized over time and are now considered standard practices in the United States. And since white people still hold most of the institutional power in America, we have all internalized some aspects of white culture, including people of color. All right, so, so these are things that they say are, 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 are aspects of whiteness and white culture, which, by the way, we're, apparently white people are not supposed to have whiteness or white culture because that would be you know racist or neo-nazi or, or something like that like you, you i i don't i'm so confused as to what what we are allowed to celebrate in a in a culture based on the person's skin color or what we're not supposed to celebrate in a person's culture based on their skin color or the fact that culture and skin color are somehow now exactly the same i i just i can't keep up but anyway this is apparently what white culture is white culture uh is self-reliance White culture is rugged individualism. Individuals are assumed to be in control of their environment or that they get what they deserve. Independence and autonomy is highly valued and rewarded. A symptom of white culture is having a family structure with a nuclear family with a father, mother, an average of 2.3 children. That the husband is the breadwinner and head of the household. That the wife is a homemaker and subordinate to the husband. That children should have their own rooms and be independent. Again, these are all symptoms of white culture and whiteness. Emphasis on the scientific method, objective, rational, linear thinking, cause and effect relationships, quantitative emphasis. <laughs> the primacy of Western, Greek, Roman, and Judeo-Christian tradition. That hard work, they have a <laughs> Protestant work ethic. That hard work is the key to success, that you work before play, and if you didn't meet your goals, you didn't work hard enough. When it comes to religion, Christianity is the norm. No tolerance for deviation from a single God concept, or like one God. Respect for authority. Heavy value on ownership of goods, space, property. <laughs> They're also future-oriented. They plan for the future. They think that tomorrow will always be better. They follow time schedules, and time is viewed as a commodity. <sighs> Holidays are based on Christian religions, white history, and male leaders. Justice, based on English common law. And then, <laughs> protection of property. And competition. They want to be number one. They're action-oriented. They must do something about a situation. They, they're good at decision making. And majority rules, but only when whites have power. It literally says when whites have power. Majority rules when whites have power. And then communication. The king's English. Written tradition. Don't discuss personal life. And be polite. Oh boy. Once again, how, how, how is it not racist? I, I just don't understand how you can come up with a flyer that is like, this, this is what white people are like. Okay, first of all, that in and of itself seems to be a little bit racist. Like, here's our flyer to explain white people and their culture. Also, if you're not white, you may have unintentionally internalize some aspects of their culture into your own. As if to say, like, once again, 
<laughs> it just it cracks me up because you know white people don't have shared experiences according to the AP and therefore we don't capitalize white we capitalize black because black people have shared experiences but then you can also have whiteness and white culture so now your culture can be defined by your skin color even though according to the AP white people do not have shared experiences I'm so again 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 I just I can't keep up so uh, white people and white culture <laughs> embody these things and if you are not white then you you may have internalized some aspects of this how is that not racist to every other person who is not born with lighter skin you couldn't have like no other we'll just we'll use their term no other culture no other skin color even though i think this is a, okay anyway no other culture could possibly have uh, on their own without white influence um independence self-reliance or the idea of a nuclear family where where kids having their own rooms is a good thing they couldn't have objective rational thinking or create cause and effect relationships, you know, Judeo-Christian traditions and values, oh, shocking, oh my, even though, you know, Judeo-Christian values came from uh, the Middle East, where, you know, anyway. Um, hard work? Work before play? Respect for authority? Value on goods and property? Schedules? Time being a commodity? Plan f planning for the future? Christian uh, religious holidays, property laws, w desire to, to compete and to win, decision-making ability, <laughs> written tradition. I mean, seriously, no other culture outside of white culture, whatever white culture is, has written tradition. I mean, or, or politeness. Be polite. Be Polite is one of the things on this list that is an aspect of white culture. Again, I do not understand. I do not understand how this is not... I mean, now, granted, they have taken it down now because there was a major outcry, as there should be. But the problem is we're trying to define people in ways that God never intended for people to be defined. We are all made in the image and likeness of God. So you tell me what color God is if we are all made in his image and likeness. Now we can debate, you know, the, sh the skin tone color that Jesus was. Well, he was Middle Eastern. He wasn't white. He was Middle Eastern. But maybe that would be considered white culture because, you know, Judeo-Christian values are apparently only applicable in white culture. I don't know. Also, hmm, this one is one of my favorites. Sleep is now apparently for privileged white people. And there needs to be rest reparations. <sighs> okay. Teen Vogue published an article titled Black Power Naps is Addressing Systematic Racism in Sleep. Black Power Naps is Addressing Systematic Racism in Sleep. Again, perhaps one of the reasons we are having problems we are having in our culture today is because we are talking about these kind of ridiculous things instead of looking at actual problems in our country. 
Maybe we should be looking at the fact that officers that are committing uh, crimes are being overcharged. Maybe we should look at whether or not police unions. Maybe we should look at you know if we can if we can have. Uh, oh, I can't even. I can't even. I did four episodes of podcasting with Renita on actual issues in our country that we can address. You can go back and listen to those if you want. I'm just trying to show you some of what's been happening recently. To give you an idea of where we are coming from. Okay? So, in this article, black power naps are described as artistic initiative with components including... uh, Wait. Uh, I need to back up a little more. The article talks about how African Americans have shorter lifespans than white people do. This is an initiative started by activists Nalvita Costa and Fanny Sosa, who claim that blacks suffer from generational fatigue due to their skin color. These two individuals say they realized that they were always tired because of the hundreds of years of sleep deprivation their people have allegedly suffered from. Again, this doesn't take into account... Uh, they're, they're, they're generalizing all black people everywhere. The history of black people in the United States is different than, say, the history of black people in the Caribbean, which, by the way, was far worse, if you want to go and look at, at th- those numbers and statistics related to their slavery issues. The, the history of black people in Europe, different. History of black people in Africa, different. You cannot... Mm. Anyhow, uh, these articles say they, that the, 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 these individuals said they were tired, but it wasn't just any old fatigue. Yes, they experienced a lack of sleep, but they were specifically experiencing a generational fatigue familiar to black people and people of color. And so, as a result, these two individuals are calling for rest reparations in the forms of breaks and additional time off from work. Black power nap, they said, is a recognition of the hundreds of years of sleep deprivation that black people and people of color have experienced as a result of systemic racism, a way to push back against the false stereotype that black people are lazy, and an investigation of the inequitable distribution of rest. And they specifically claim, though they say that it's a result of systemic racism, they specifically claim that sleep deprivation is, has been inherited because of slavery, Again, practiced abolished over 150 years ago. We're dealing with an inheritance of sleep deprivation. Sleep deprivation was a deliberate tactic of slave owners to basically make the mind feeble. That same tactic has only evolved. So she is essentially claiming in this article that black people are still being deprived of sleep uh, as a way to, to make their minds feeble by whomever they are viewing as the current... Uh, slave owners apparently (sighs) slavery is a regime of stealing and extraction stolen wages, stolen life, stolen land but stolen time was one of the main things we need time, we need time off, we need time out our ancestors never got to take a month off for holidays they never got to take a sabbatical they never got to take a nap now these things are true the problem is when you say that because of your ancestors not being able to sleep, and apparently this affects all black people, not just those who had slavery, you have a... you you then are somehow more tired because of your ancestors not being able to uh, sleep as much or take time off. When you pile all of those together, you see the reparations that need to happen are monetary, but they're also in time and space. 
And then it and then though it doesn't end there. They continued. <laughs> we are having to go out in the streets during a pandemic, expending our energy in really huge amounts in order to ask for reparations and rest and energy. It is a double-edged sword to navigate as an activist or organizer. You are putting your body on the line to reclaim it. That creates a lot of burnout. We have people who are 20, 21. They are burnt out. They need time off. They need to not only sleep, but to know their people are going to be okay, to know they're going to be okay, to know they can take a break. So what she's saying is we are getting more tired protesting for the right to not only have uh, monetary reparations, but also time and space reparations. I did not know that we could give time and space reparations. I did not know that an entire skin color could deserve rest reparations for something that has happened to their ancestors in the past that tiredness could be you know passed on like that I, I just didn't know I, it, my, the mind reels with possibilities like I don't know what about what about the 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 the, the child labor and things happening horribly in you know China which we'll talk about in a few minutes more of China but like do all and this is going to sound exceptionally racist, but I'm trying to put this in perspective here. Like, do all Asian people need more rest because of child labor happening today in in China? Stealing the rest that Chinese individuals who have grown up should have had? I'm just saying, do you, do you see the absurdity of this? What about what about child labor in 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 England? In the 15th, 16th, 1700s, 1800s even. You want to talk about not resting. Now granted it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be slavery. I'm not, I'm not trying to compare it to slavery. But I'm saying if you're saying that people that were deprived of rest. Their ancestors now are, are somehow inheriting what is being perceived by others as laziness. But what is actually uh, a need for extra sleep. I just don't... Um, have a very hard time wrapping my head around this. Time and space reparations. I I just feel that again, maybe that could be considered racist. Maybe not. There's a comedian named Ryan Long. He made a video on how woke people and racists agree. It has some language at the very end. I didn't even, I've watched it a couple times now. I didn't even see the language until the very last time that I watched it because it's after the credits and I had just turned it off at the credits and then, I don't know, it was still rolling. I think I looked away and then at the end there was some language. I was like, whoa. Um, but if you turn it off before the credits, it's, it's, it's I'm pretty sure it's, pretty, it's clean the whole way through aside from the ending. But uh, you should check it out. Again, just turn it off with the credits. But it's called When Wokes and Racists Actually Agree on Everything. And it's very well done. And uh, it works because he's a comedian. And so comedians can say things that other people aren't allowed to say. Sometimes. Other times they get cancelled because, you know, we live in cancel culture. But, you know, When Wokes and Racists Actually Agree on Everything. You should go check it out. You should go check it out. It's on YouTube. When wokes and racists actually agree on everything. Woke is the term for, like, very politically correct, I guess would be how you could define it. It's spelled W-O-K-E. All right, next up. 
Uh, Christians uh, having home Bible studies have been banned by Governor Newsom in California. Not Christians themselves have not been banned. Home Bible studies uh, have been banned. Meanwhile, Joe Biden this past week said, I wish we taught more in our schools about the Islamic faith. You know, the schools that are closed because the Rona apparently would attack all the children of the world. But really, what I want to ask um, the presidential hopeful is which parts exactly of the Islamic faith he would like taught more in our schools. Would that be the 109 passages about warning against anyone who isn't a Muslim, or just specifically the ones that instruct Muslims to kill infidels, uh, particularly by chopping off their heads and then also chop off their fingers? Or, or the part where Muhammad says that a woman is only equal uh, to half of a man. Or the, the passages, at least four, I believe, in the Quran that discuss allowing men to keep slaves for sexual purposes because you surely didn't mean the zero references uh, to the practice of praying five times a day that are found in the Quran. I, I just am curious. You know, no, no Bible studies in homes in California, but the presidential hopeful really wants us to teach more about the Islamic faith in our, in our public schools, which are closed because the Rona. But also, no, you cannot have the funding that you normally pay for public schools to actually now homeschool your children or send them to a charter school or to a private school, which, by the way, this whole school choice thing, uh, homeschoolers and private school people have been championing for literally decades. Give people back their property tax money. If you are using property taxes to fund the public schools, let people keep that money and then choose where to send their children. If they send them to public school, then that money, the money should follow the child. The money should not just automatically go to the state and then be sprinkled down uh, from the state to public schools. The money should go where the kid goes. It just, I don't know, it seems to make sense. But again, nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. I mean, uh, ugh. Our schools are just trying and too often failing to get kids proficient in reading, writing, and arithmetic. And, you know, at the very least, to keep up with the Chinese, who at this moment, who are perpetrating their very own holocaust against the Uyghur Muslims. Here's another thing. Uh, I, you know, if you, if you have kids that are listening right now, and this is where we're going to end the program today. This is the last topic I'm going to talk about. But if you have kids who are listening right now, uh, I would say that are not teenagers. If you have less than teens... Less than teens? Is that a good way to say it? I don't feel that it is. Younger. Younger than teens. Uh, I would say either ask them to leave or uh, listen to this part later on. You can you have my permission to turn it off now if you have kids that are listening. Because this is really, really um, gets a little, bit, uh, a little bit graphic when you find out what the Chinese are doing. You know, the Chinese are being propped up right now. You have, you have Mark Cuban and, and Ted Cruz fussing about the Chinese. You have the NBA uh, not allowing people to put free Hong Kong on the jerseys, but you can put literally any other political slogan as long as it is woke on uh, on an NBA jersey and customize it, but you can't say anything that would be anti-China, anti-communist, or pro-Hong Kong. Um, we have uh, celebrities in this country. We have politicians in this country standing up for China. Meanwhile, China is perpetrating uh, literally a, a, a brutality worthy of Nazism. You know, we turn, we, we throw around the term Nazi in this country, I think, far too lightly. Uh, even, 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 even the phrase grammar Nazi. I, I do not like that phrase because Nazism is not some, a term that we should be just tossing about. But what China is doing right now, the Nazis, the actual Nazis would have been proud of. 
they literally have concentration camps dedicated to re-educating. It is believed to be over one million people. And uh, Edward Lucas wrote a piece in the Daily Mail, and I'm just going to read it for you because I, uh, it's just, it's horrifying. And I would not do it justice to just try and, and tell you about it. So we're going to read his article. It's uh, A Naked Brutality Worthy of the Nazis. Edward Lucas on the harrowing evidence of Beijing's concentration camps dedicated to re-educating a million or more Muslims. And he just uh, released, the Daily Mail just released this article earlier this week. And by the way, the Daily Mail is not a conservative uh, public publication. It is a publication that comes from the U.K., and this is what uh, this is what Lucas's research found. He said, "Dawn breaks again." If your kids are, are listening, I'd encourage you to maybe either uh, listen to this part later or uh, have them have them leave the room while you're listening to this part. Uh, Dawn breaks in the crowded prison cell. Not everyone is asleep. Conditions are so cramped in the 70 square yard space that 15 of the 60 inmates have to stand to give others their turn to lie down. The lack of privacy is absolute. Toilet breaks are rationed two minutes at a time and in full gaze of the others. Glass walls, cameras, and microphones mean that every word and deed is recorded. Informants placed in each cell even note down what people say in their sleep and pass it on to guards. As with every other day, the morning begins with compulsory singing of Communist Party songs, praising the glorious motherland and its wise leader, Xi Jinping. Then their only meal of the day arrives, watery cabbage soup served with a small lump of steamed dough. If they're lucky, they may get a few grains of rice as well. And then the medication arrives in the form of a white pill. To be sure they've taken it, the prisoners' mouths are roughly forced open and searched. The mysterious drug, some kind of tranquilizer, soon induces a state of miserable mental numbness. Thoughts and memories of life outside, the fate of loved ones, the pain of shattered hopes all recede. Now the only aim is to get through the day. Such a scene is being played out in any one of China's secret concentration camps dedicated to re-educating a million or more of the country's Muslim Uyghur population in a network of hundreds of institutions built across 640,000 square miles of western China, an area seven times the size of Britain. Every detail of this harrowing description of life inside the Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region, its natives Uyghurs call it East Turkestan, comes from accounts that have trickled out of the region and from a huge package of internal Communist Party documents leaked last year by a brave official disgusted by the policies he was implementing. They are confirmed by survivor testimony collated by Rahima Matmut of the London office of the World Uyghur Congress and by the Human Rights Watch, a New York-based campaign group. So... We know these things are happening. The world knows these things are happening, and we are doing nothing. And in fact, we have American celebrities, politicians, continuing to praise the Chinese government. This is what they're doing. Uh, on Sunday, and this is what brought this kind of back into the public light, on Sunday, Beijing's UK ambassador, Lu Ming was quizzed by Andrew Marr about drone footage taken in 2018 showing hundreds of Uyghur men kneeling, shaven-headed, shackled, and blindfolded being led from a train in what appeared to be a transfer of prisoners. After a lengthy and embarrassed pause, the ambassador responded with bluster and denial. Uyghur people enjoy peaceful, harmonious coexistence with other ethnic groups of people, he insisted, dismissing the footage as so-called Western intelligence. Right, because the entire rest of the world is making this up. Certainly nothing more peaceful or harmoni harmonious marks the inmates' daily routine. Morning is indoctrination. Inmates, hundreds of them, all shaven-headed, sit in a vast echoing room listening to hours of lectures on the evils of religion. 
the instructor's words are broken by rhythmic chanting of Communist Party slogans. All communication is in Chinese. For the inmates to mutter even a word in their ancient language, a dialect similar to Uzbek, would be a sign of defiance and bring terrifying retribution. Uzbek is what's spoken in Uzbekistan. The monotony of the lessons is mental torture. At the end of the class, inmates are asked, is there a God? And the only permitted answer is no. Every waking moment is an onslaught of their cherished beliefs and traditions. The half-starved inmates are even forced to eat pork and drink alcohol in defiance of their Muslim faith. Afternoons bring interrogations. To break their mental resistance, inmates are forced to watch others being tortured before their own sessions of questioning. They are made to denounce friends and families, to confess to fictitious crimes such as bomb-making and espionage, and to express abject contrition even for such harmless acts as having a copy of the Koran. Any resistance brings beatings, electric shocks, and sleep deprivation. Nakedness is another dehumanizing tactic. Nudity is taboo in Islam, but prisoners of all ages are made to parade before each other and in view of the guards. For women, humiliating uh, inspections are mandatory and rape is routine. The prettier younger women disappear at nights and weep silently during the day. An injection every 15 days appears to be forced contraception as monthly cycles cease. Worst of all is the dreaded orange tabard. Prisoners assigned these soon disappear, never to be seen again. Rumor has it that they are murdered for their organs. Kidneys, corneas, hearts, and livers are looted from their bodies to fund the lucrative international black market or to serve the needs of the Communist Party elite. For the nine million other Uyghurs living in the western Chinese province of Xinjiang who are lucky enough not to be confined in such camps, life is another kind of prison. Every movement is under video camera surveillance backed up by intrusive searches. Police vans patrol the streets, searching for any sign of suspicious behavior and mounting random checks. Checkpoints are every 200 yards. Worse are the Plain Coast Police, silently observing public behavior. A single careless word or deed, perhaps a small show of faith, is punishable by incarceration and brainwashing. Little word leaks out of the fate of those who are taken away. Their families are sometimes told that they died in traffic accidents. Those who return are so traumatized that they rarely speak of their ordeal. Possession of any books, newspapers, or any electronic material that could signal disloyalty to the Chinese regime is punished. No expression of religious belief is permitted. Mosques are empty shells with worship staged only to deceive outsiders. A Koran or a prayer mat is a dangerous sign of disloyalty to the party. The micromanagement even extends to household possessions. Kitchen knives with blades longer than four inches, for example, must be engraved with a barcode identifying the owner and must be chained to a wall or table. Children are used as informers. School classes are shown Arabic script and asked if they recognize it. Those who do have unwittingly highlighted that their families read the Quran. Such disloyalty often leads to children being removed or kidnapped and sent to state-run boarding schools as young as the age of five. There they are indoctrinated to despise their families, religion, culture, and native language. If you ask about the fate of the people who have disappeared, that is also dangerous. They are referred to as yak, or not around. Incarceration in the concentration camps is called studying. The fate of women left at home when their menfolk are sent to the camps is particularly horrific. They are assigned a Chinese official to live in their home to monitor their family. These unwelcome guests intrude into every aspect of domestic life and often insist on occupying the empty place in the marital bed. Such grotesque abuses of human rights have been underway for years, but they have leaped into public view in the West thanks to dogged work by investigators and the bravery of those who have fled. 
Only recently, one fortunate escapee, Syragel Sotabe, said perhaps it is becoming even worse than the Nazis because they can combine the latest technology, such as 24-hour surveillance everywhere, with the most primitive methods of torture. In the face of such devastating criticism, it is little surprise that the Chinese authorities go to great efforts to conceal and deny the accelerating pace of atrocities as the Chinese ambassador's performance on Sunday showed. It is true that China has faced violent unrest among Uyghurs, including terrorist attacks in Beijing and elsewhere. But the actions of fanatics do not justify the repression of an entire ethnic group, including the imprisonment of nonviolent activists, scholars, and public figures who have spent their careers using compatriots to work peacefully with the authorities in Beijing. In truth, the simmering resentment in the region is the inevitable response to the brutal colonial misrule inflicted by the Chinese Communist Party after its occupation in 1949. And the article goes on. Uh, you can read it. Um, it's it's absolutely horrific what the Chinese are doing, what the Chinese Communist Party is doing. This is what life under communism leads to. There is not freedom of speech. There is not freedom of religion. There is not freedom of assembly. Uh, all the things that you see happening in our country today, as far as protests, rioting, whatever you want to call it, would not be happening. Uh, churches that are choosing to meet when their governors are saying not to, that would not be happening. Uh, people that are meeting in their homes when Governor Newsom says that that's not allowed, that would not be happening. You would be shipped to, if this was China, you would be, your family would be broken apart. Your family would be abused. Your family would be tortured. Your family would be in concentration camps. This is what communism leads to. There is a reason why our country has been free. There is a reason why our country has always stood against socialist policies and communism as a government system. And the reason is that communism and freedom cannot coexist. History has shown us this over and over and over again. And as we have a holocaust happening on our, under our very eyes that we know is real... Instead, the world focuses on a virus that has a less than 1% fatality rate. But of course, nothing, nothing to see here. You know, the ancient rabbi said, this is a quote that I absolutely love, you don't measure a student by the answers he gives, but by the questions that he asks. And so my, my question to you today is, what questions are you asking? It's, it's, great if you, it's great if you know answers, but to find answers, you have to ask questions. Are you asking hard questions? Are you asking hard questions of, 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 of God? Are, are you asking him for big things? Are you asking questions of the text? Are you asking questions of your Bible? When you read it, are you saying, why do I need to know this? Why is this here? Why did God want me to know this at this point when I am reading this right now? Are you asking questions of your politicians? Are you asking, why is the government doing this? Why is the government doing that? Are you asking questions about the things that, that Hollywood is putting out, about the entertainment industry? Are you asking questions about what your children are doing, where they're going? You need to be a question asker. And then as you find answers, to be sure that the answers you find, the answers that you and your family embrace, line up 
with God's truths, God's standards, and what the Word of God says. It's a crazy world we live in, where everywhere you turn, oh, don't worry, don't worry, nothing to see here, nothing to see here, nothing to see here. And I'm not, I'm not saying even conspiratorial. I'm outlining things today, that, things that are, are very obvious and things that we know. We haven't even gotten into things <laughs> that could be considered conspiracy. This is simply, these are simply facts. These are things that we know and we're not even asking questions about. These are things that we know that we are not involved in. But ask questions. Seek answers. And walk humbly before your God. Hope to see you in church on Sunday. If you are here in Las Vegas, 8 o'clock, 9.45 and 11.30 are our Sunday morning service times. Hope you can join us. 6501 West Lakeman Boulevard is our address here at Liberty Baptist Church. Have a great weekend, everyone.